Ayo, it's happening again. It's been a while. I think this is the eighth one. Uh, Scott, some podcast, the eighth one. Yeah. So, what uh, has been happening recently? What's been going on? A couple different things, actually. So, uh, I'm seeing somebody new. She's awesome. And we went and had dinner last night at this place. It's a Korean restaurant. So that was a lot of fun. Um, third date, kind of for me, it was like make or break. And it wasn't necessarily like I, I like I wasn't interested. I was. I was genuinely interested. I still very much am. It's just I don't know. I, I'm weird, but really, just I, I, it's like hard for me to casually date. But it's it, this is very casual, and I'm very much excited about this and the prospects of where this goes. Speaking of, you know, I'm talking about you. Yay, yay. I'm going to have to text you back in a little bit. A um, couple things that have been happening. Uh, so I'll talk sports very briefly and m- because uh, this past week was uh, my 30th birthday, November 8th. Pretty good birthday, uh, I would say. I ended up in Dallas. Uh, I've been talking about it on the podcast for a little bit. I was going to Dallas with my buddies Justin and Bob. Uh, the Denver Broncos were playing the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas Stadium, so... Justin and his family are massive Dallas Cowboy fans, so they invited me because they were playing the Broncos, and they were like, hey, you know, come on down. We'll have a good time. Leave on a Friday. Come back on a Monday. So flight was okay. <clears throat> I'm not per, uh, you know, partial to flying. I'm not really a fan, but not much. Uh, I, I prefer to not use Xanax in panic situations, but if I have to, I will. And... Uh, the uh, a plane ride is a perfect example of when Xanax may might be acceptable. Obviously, don't overdo it. It's not great. It's a really really bad habit to kick. Just don't do it if you don't have to do it. Use it if it's if you're prescribed. If you're, if if doesn't matter. That's my PSA. Go to Dallas, having a good time. Go to a couple different bars. I, I I've been doing. I've been going through this lately where I I, I quit drinking. I haven't had a sip of alcohol. I did have like a sip of booze. Um, I had a sip of booze because th- this weird company at this one restaurant we went to called Jackson gave us like free beers and like, hey, take a picture and call it this and we'll put it on our Instagram. Like it, it doesn't, it was some hokey bullshit. Watered down. It was a dark beer, but it wasn't, it wasn't a stout. It was a lager. I don't know. It was, it was Fugazi in my opinion. And then. You know, had some of the best barbecue of my life. I really, really enjoyed that. I mean, who doesn't love purebred Texas barbecue? So I had, like, brisket. I had beef ribs. I had regular ribs. What a pass by Herbert. Um, Four o'clock games in the fourth quarter of a bunch of games right now. So uh, you'll hear me say random shit throughout. But um, I had some of the best fried chicken of my life in Dallas, Texas. Uh, Legitimately didn't need to put any sauce on it. Fuck your herb, like your secret blend of herbs and spices, stupid ass kernel. This is like this was like real southern, like comfort food. I had I, I tried some collard greens that were great. The highlight of the food aspect of the trip was the uh, blackberry cobbler and the tea, the southern tea that was sweet and unsweet. It was absolutely delicious. Went to a real smokehouse. Um, I had smoked beef bologna, real pure beef bologna, and I don't care what anybody says about it. Beef bologna is my is my preferred deli meat of choice, hands down. Bologna is so underrated, 
And people are like, oh, bologna's gross. Some people that don't like hot, or some people that eat hot dogs or that eat Taylor ham. It's no different. It's literally no different. It's just fermented differently and it's made differently. It's all the shit that they made that, that's left over at the end. They put in this is bologna. And it's great. People who like liverwurst and don't like bologna need to fuck right off. Anyway, uh, game day comes and we're walking to the stadium. We took it over to the stadium. It was a lot of fun. You would have thought it was a home game um, or a playoff game for the Cowboys because places sold out. I, 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 like for people that haven't been to AT&T Stadium, it's not in Dallas, Texas. They actually play in Arlington, Texas or Fort Worth. I can't remember, but it's not in Dallas itself. About 20-minute drive outside of Dallas. So get to the stadium. Now we got to walk because we rented a car. We Ubered however else we got there, and we have to meet outside the stadium. We, you know, we, we pick a place. And we square up a little bit, and you know, like uh, we brought beers, all that stuff. We're hanging out in the parking lot, and as you're walking through the stadium, you're noticing how many people are really here. Last time I was at AT&T Stadium was for Josh's bachelor party. That was for WrestleMania, and that was a hundred and I believe it was one hundred ten thousand people at that stadium. That was insane. The roar of the crowd was really something special. I mean, that that was a good one because like. McFoley came out, Shawn Michaels came out, Stone Cold Steve Austin came out. They like they absolutely like, they they tore the house down. They did something with at the time there was this uh, wrestling stable called the League of Nations which wore it was who was it? Wade Barrett, Rusev, Sheamus, and Alberto Del Rio. So it was just a bunch of guys that are not American called themselves the uh, there was a, there was a, the the world's worst stable called the League of Legends, League of Le- that's a, that's a that's a that's a pretty solid computer game, uh, League of Nations. Oh, wait, look! You look at this. Denver doesn't know how to tackle. It's amazing the difference from week to week. How bad Denver has has how bad Denver is in a week. Dow- the Dallas Cowboys are a significantly better team than the Philadelphia Eagles, but for some reason the Denver Broncos beat the ever living shit out of the Dallas Cowboys on the road, right? On the road against one a top three team in the NFC, hands down. Again, this is why you play the game. But Justin wasn't happy. His his family wasn't too happy. And to be honest with you, the entire time they were like, oh my God, like everyone's just super like worried about the game. Like what happens if they lay an egg, yada, yada, yada. And I get it. You know what I mean? Like, like, like you just flew four hours across the country, like halfway across the country to come see your favorite football team play, and what happens if they suck? Unfortunately, that's exactly what happened. Um, at one point, the score was 30 to nothing. Uh, was not expecting that even e- even remotely. At, m- at minimum, I was expecting a close game, and that's if Denver played well, and that's if both teams played well, I should say. And Denver ended up blowing them out. At one point, the score was 30 to nothing. Just doesn't make sense. Like, does not compute. I was there. I watched the whole thing. They dominated from start to finish. There was a weird play where the uh, the the Broncos were punting. The punt was blocked. But then the ball crossed. This is such a weird rule. The ball crossed the line of scrimmage. Then a Dallas Cowboy player. Jason Kelsey's hurt. That's not good. He's a catalyst at offensive line for the Eagles. That's really not good. That sucks. Anyway, the ball is blocked. It bounces and it hits on the uh, on the on the positive side of the line of scrimmage. A Dallas Cowboy player then touches the ball, which then immediately makes the ball a live ball. It's a live ball now situation, which means 
The down doesn't matter. Whoever now recovers the ball is officially first down going whichever way you're going. I really didn't know. I only know this now because after the fact. As it happened in real time, the the Dallas Cowboy player, it, the ball hits him, and then it's recovered by Denver. Then the Denver player starts running towards the first down but falls short. So when they called it first down Denver, first and 10 for the, uh, for, for the, for the visiting team, I was under the impression that they somehow fucked up the spot. I was expecting a challenge flag from Mike McCarthy, and none of those things happened. I was like, they really fucked that spot up. And it wasn't until after the game that I realized that it was really they, it was a rule that they were going by, that because there was a recovery of the football past the line of scrimmage, and then it was recovered again by the kicking team, it then for nullifies... The, the down and distance, and then it, you turn, then it becomes first down going whichever way, whichever team recovers the ball. And Justin, to his credit, goes, I don't know if I've ever seen that before. When was the last time you saw it? He's asking people in the, he's asking, you know, his family, he's asking people in the crowd. I don't know. Have you ever seen that before? Have you ever seen that before? Good, because I haven't either, and you never will again. To be fair, only something like that happens to Justin. And I feel very bad because it's very true. <laughs> I haven't had good luck like that in a while where I just like everything just worked. And like just watching the game, everything just worked out perfectly. It was a lot of fun. Ultimately, uh, um, I, I said it to the boys when I was there. Um, really, really enjoyed the trip, of course. Uh, really enjoyed getting to spend my 30th birthday uh, with two of my best and oldest friends. And really thankful I mean, listen, the Denver Bronco win was honestly just like the cherry on top of the entire week or the entire weekend. But really, the, the most fun I had was during, um, you know, it, it was like during the barbecue and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I had to pause for a second to collect my thoughts because, like, I'm watching this Bronco game and they just... Just disgusting. I hate the team. I hate the way it's coached. I hate the way it's managed. I, I I don't like the construction of the roster. Granted, the defense is really really beat up at the moment. Offense, there's talent everywhere, but we just don't know how to utilize it. We don't know how to draft the quarterback. We don't. I sound like Jim Mora. We couldn't complete a play. Couldn't get a first down. We couldn't run the ball. We couldn't get a stop. We sucked. We couldn't do diddly poo on offense. That's just a fact. We we are so incompetent inside the goal line, inside the 10-yard line. Look, like, I don't understand what Teddy's even doing. He's not giving his receivers an opportunity to even catch the fucking ball. He throws it so high and so far that a six foot four and a six foot five Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick can't even possibly make a play on the ball. It's so dumb. And we traded for this fucking guy when we had someone that was just as incompetent on the roster already. In Drew Locke, who already couldn't perform the duties at hand. And then we want Philip Lindsay walk out the door for next to nothing. But we keep this fucking scrub, Melvin Gordon, who fumbles. He fumbles on fourth down. And then it's returned for a touchdown by Darius Slade Jr. It's unacceptable. And yet we just constantly, and that we, the Denver Broncos constantly let this. Just this train wreck continued to happen. Literally last week, 
how Denver beat the shit out of the Cowboys, which, who are a legitimately good football team. All right, here we go, Teddy. Come on, Teddy. Do something, please. What is this? How do you airmail it? That's insane. He's wide open. I hate this team. I hate my quarterback. I hate I hate both quarterbacks. I want to make that very clear. I hate Teddy Bridgewater, and I hate Drew Locke. I hate how John Elway treated Philip Lindsay out the door. I hate that they traded Von Miller, but actually, out of all the uh, personnel decisions that have made this uh, this this season and the and this offseason, that's the only one that makes sense. You bring in Kyle Fuller on a one-year deal; it's clearly a rental. And then at the trade deadline, while your season is practically lost, you don't fucking trade him. What's the point of tra- uh, of even signing Kyle Fuller in the first place? It's insane. The, the, the organization is inept at evaluating a competent quarterback out of college, but I could tell you flat out, and I said it back when Justin Herbert was in college. I said it when Tua was in college. I said it when all these fucking people were in college. I said it, and I'll say it again. Justin Herbert was the guy to draft. Granted, he came out a year later than expected, but Justin Herbert was the guy to draft. I said it. And that's who I wanted Denver to draft. And that's what you should do, is you should go get an an all-pro, or a soon-to-be all-pro, and a franchise quarterback to lead your franchise for the next 10 fucking years. Because you're in a division now with Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes for the next 10 fucking years. And yet you've, you are unable at drafting a competent quarterback. Paxton Lynch, bust. Brock Osweiler turned out to be a bust in Houston, not for Denver, so that was okay, and that was a second-round draft pick used well. That's fine. He won big games in a Super Bowl year. I will always fight for Brock Osweiler. I also said Brock to the future. I bought a Brock to the future shirt. Actually, no, I didn't. I didn't buy a Brock to the future shirt. I bought a defense wins championship shirt with different, and the no-fly zone, that is different. I I posted Brock to the future on my social media, on my Facebook when I had it. I did not buy a Brock to the future shirt. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. I really don't know. I if I would color me shocked if I did if I didn't buy it. More than likely I, I didn't. Maybe I did. Who cares? The team is gross. All right, so I want to go back to Dallas super quick and tell you about one quick thing. So where we stayed in down we stayed in downtown Dallas. And something that was nice about that is that we were actually down the street from Dealey Plaza. If you if you don't know what Dealey Plaza is, Dealey Plaza was the location at which JFK was assassinated. It's kind of fucked up. When you, it's like, as someone who studied, uh, oh, oh, okay, Tyler Lockett, wow, Russell Wilson is not having a good game tonight, uh, not having a good game at all. Game's over already, seventeen nothing Seattle. So Dealey Plaza is where uh, JFK was assassinated by Lee Harvey Oswald, if you believe that, and it's a really just an eerie place to be, because especially uh, for my generation, people in my age bracket, like. Basically, uh, pe- kids, I'm 30 now, but between the ages of like 28 and 35, like you were taught, you were beaten into the dirt, like the generation before us um, about Kennedy, the Kennedy assassination in the 60s and blah, 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 all that stuff, right? So being there is super eerie, especially someone who studied uh, studied history and wanted to become a, a history teacher. Uh, the Kennedy assassination is a very, I want, not influential, but is a very important uh, a very important event in the in modern U.S. history. Anyway, I, I don't want to bore you with anything like that, but 
So we go to Dealey Plaza. Bob never been there. Justin and his brother and like his cousins and like his uncles went to the Cowboys practice facility. Not saying that wouldn't that wouldn't have been cool or nothing, but like I just wasn't into it. I don't gotta go to a practice facility. I'm all right. If it was the Denver Broncos practice facility, even though I hate them right now, I'm 100 there. So they went to the practice facility. Me and Bob were like, let's let's explore Dallas. So we walked, got maybe about a three four mile walk in, and then we go down to Dealey Plaza. Now. What was happening the days previous leading up to us being there, which I didn't realize, but I saw it on Twitter a couple days uh, previous, previously, was um, QAnon was there. For people that don't know who QAnon is, QAnon are people to the right of alt-right. Um, there are conservatives, there are alt-right conservatives, which believe, which have conservative values, but are just a little more gung-ho about it. That's me being nice. And then there's QAnon which are, I would say, borderline, but definitely are delusional uh, Americans. So QAnon was at Dealey Plaza, the site of the JFK assassination. And the reason why they were there was because, I believe it was on either November 2nd or November 3rd, JFK Jr., who died in a car crash in 1999, mind you, JFK Jr. would then would reveal himself as he faked his death, and then upon... JFK Jr. revealing himself, Trump would then reclaim the presidency and be sworn in as the president of the United States because he never lost. I'm not saying that. This is what QAnon believes because Trump never lost. The Dems stole the election and JFK Jr. would come back and run and he would be the vice president. She would be Trump's vice president. If these fucking idiots did a quick little Google search, you would realize that JFK Jr. was a well-known Democrat. It's not that hard to really look up. But people came out in droves and lined the streets of Dealey Plaza citing, not citing, but reciting the Pledge of Allegiance, really believing in this absolute hoax. Like, people who don't believe in the moon landing, okay, you have, there's some validity there. People that don't believe that JFK was killed by one guy, by Lee Harvey Oswald, sure. You know what, now, all this, all this time later, yeah, you know what, I'll give you that. I, I, I think the only thing that's the, the less believable thing is that Paul McCartney isn't dead. He never died. I, for some reason, I just refuse to believe that. And QAnon believe in this absolute nonsense so you know we, we've seen it on social media we've talked about it and I, i've discussed it with friends we've talked about just how delusional these people are but seeing them in the flesh was even a little scarier so my issue with this is well it's not really an issue but thank god bob was there because i there was a okay so there, there there's it's a, it's a road that swoops down that goes on to, I believe, uh, Route 35 East in Dallas, which then takes you to either Fort Worth or Arlington, which takes you to the, outs, uh, the outskirts of Dallas, Texas. And you have to drive through Dealey Plaza. So uh, there's two sides of the street, of course. One is like this big grassy median, which is now just a tourist attraction. That's where QAnon was. Now, granted, when I was there, there were far less QAnon there than when were there earlier in the week, but there was still a decent amount of human beings in full support of Trump and JFK Jr. coming back to save us all. Uh, 
So just because it was on the side of the street that Bob and I were on, we just went on that side first. Um, also, I didn't realize that I wore all blue. Um, it was definitely on accident, but it's just a funny little coincidence, even though it just it's just the virtual opposite of what these people believe. But it was just funny. I was wearing all blue. So we go on the left side, and they, these people are screaming. There's people honking the horn for Trump didn't lose, and Dem stole the election, and don't get mad at me or don't ask me to explain myself why I voted for Donald Trump and blah, 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 all this stuff, right? So Bob and I are walking past these people, and Bob and I are looking at each other like, like this is insane. This is legitimately insane. And I say thank God Bob was there because I was, you know, I was taking pictures, but I was taking pictures of Dealey Plaza, but I was also taking pictures of these people because like I, I genuinely couldn't believe. It was like going to a zoo and seeing seeing an exotic animal in the zoo because it, it it doesn't make like you see it on TV but then like when you see it in in real life it doesn't feel like real life it's like a weird imposter syndrome like this like this shit ain't real it's it, it's not a shock value thing but it's more like a really so like it, this isn't like some crazy narrative people make up like it's real oh okay so just seeing that was crazy and i wanted to troll i just I, I had a natural instinct to just Instagram story troll this woman who had a flag tied up on a street sign holding it in the middle of the day and just cheering and saying Trump won, Dems lost, Trump won, Dems lost. I wanted to troll her so bad and it, and Bob Bob sniffed it out immediately. He looked at me and he goes, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Dude, I kind of like I kind of like want to like say something to her." And he goes, "Dude, don't. Can we please cross the street? Because people are taking pictures. And next thing you know, when you and I are famous, the pictures will show up on social media and say, look, Taylor and Bob are QAnon. And I said, that's hilarious and also a good uh, good observation. So let's, so we go across the street. Also because like, that's where the famous Grassy Knoll is. That's where a couple of people are saying they're selling their famous books and their, how JFK was, it was, so, it was a shooter on the, all this stuff, right? All the people trying to capitalize on this historic event, which why not? Who cares? That's capitalism. Go for it. You know what I mean? Make your money, but like fuck you at the same time. Um, so that was that. And, you know, I, I had an Instagram story about it and it was funny and I was across the street and, you know, like at one point these people form a circle and they start, I don't want to say they start chanting, but maybe they did. I don't know. I was too far away to even hear it, but I just said that they were going to, you know, have a seance to bring JFK Jr. back. And it's just, like I said, just seeing it in the flesh made me laugh. And it, it made me laugh while simultaneously making me very uncomfortable and also wanting to troll these people so bad. I never really understood why I have that um, initial reaction, but I did. I really had no fucking idea why I wanted to do that. So yeah, I, I you know what? I, I, I take that back. I kind of figured out, I, I kind of know why. I just, that was my reaction, because like I really wanted to troll idiots. And for some reason, I thought that that's a good thing. That's a smart thing to do. Dallas was so much fun. I really enjoyed Dallas, every every bit of it. It really, I had zero interest in coming back home. And it really had nothing to do, um, it really had nothing to do with work and coming back home and coming back to real life. I don't give a shit. I didn't really give a shit about that. Like, I just, I, I really just loved the state of Texas. I love 
every state that's not New Jersey, man. I I hate it here. It's it's becoming it's becoming more and more prevalent the the older I get. I just I I, I as bad as I like. I don't. I don't I, what am I? I'm not fucking kidding nobody. I don't like it here. I'm looking for my phone and it's right here, like a fucking idiot. But I I don't like it here. Like it's it's a very weird thing when I say this because like I don't I don't know. It sounds meaner than I actually mean it, but like I don't need anybody to be self sufficient. And I like that's a kind of a redundant statement, but like I don't. I, I could I could very much take care of myself and do things the way I have to do them and you know and you know if I really wanted to that's that's partial that's again that's taking ownership but like that's if I really wanted to make that move I can make the move it's, it's you know I, I I would have to really initiate it's as simple as that if you want to do it you could just fucking do it but I I just I must not want it enough that's the truth it's the same thing with anyone who loses weight why don't I lose weight because you don't want it enough. Plain and simple. If you wanted it bad enough, you make it happen. Um, also, because like logistically, that would be hard. Money-wise, that would be a little tight. I could make it happen if I really wanted to, but I kind of want to get my money situation correct before I start making serious moves like that. Because buying a house in the state of New Jersey is just going to be a fucking joke in the next year or so. Uh, so let's uh, let's. I want to move quickly to uh, one thing that happened. Also in Texas, but it wasn't where I was at. Um, recently, what it, what happened was there was a there was a, a concert, Astro World concert, someplace in Texas. I couldn't exactly remember. Maybe Houston. I'm pretty sure it might have been Houston. Either way, uh, Travis Scott concert. I'm sure everyone's heard about it. Travis Scott had a concert, and it got a little rowdy. Now, it got a little more rowdy than usual. And it resulted in the death of, as of today, I believe the, the 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 death toll went up to nine. Nine people were dead, over 300 injured. There were some people that needed to be resuscitated with Narcan, or Narcan needed to be used. I don't exactly know the process of that. So uh, all I remember hearing was that Narcan was used, and all I know is that it is used for bringing people back, I believe. That's the only time I ever, I've ever heard that. Uh, drug being used, so I would just assume so. Um, nice research, Taylor. Good job. A quick Google search would clearly show you what that is. Anyway, the fact that it even got that bad is in and itself a tragedy. Like, th there were, there's clear video evidence of people rushing the stage, trying to get Travis Scott to stop, trying to get uh, the production crew to shut the show down because people were being... They were doing CPR in the crowd. They're, they're trying to get an ambulance through. There's massive, massive hysteria in the crowd. And Travis Scott, to my eyes, looks like he just continues the show and gets mad when people are trying to shut it down. Who's telling me to shut this down? Now, also within the last couple of days, there are also other videos of Travis Scott telling everyone to take care of each other and pick people up and be careful and yada, yada, yada. So... Even doing that, it's terrible to say it like this, but even just doing that ever so slightly in the court of law almost um, almost exonerates him of culpability because he did say he tried. And a massive crowd like that, and again, I'm not trying to justify the means by by any means because it's it's an absolute tragedy. It's one of the worst tragedies in, a, in, the, in the history of live music, in modern history anyway, because like, 
there there have been other mishaps. Probably the biggest one of my time is probably Woodstock '99, if I, I could think of off the top of my head. But nine people were dead. Kids, fucking kids. People having people getting CPR'd, getting CPR'd, are getting CPR done to them just to survive a concert. As somebody who's gone to a lot of shows, a lot of shows that are a lot rougher than a Travis Scott show, the difference between a hardcore show and a Travis Scott show is just the quantity of people, right? And Travis Scott then tells everybody, I don't know, it, the, the new thing with rap artists I say rap artists because hip-hop is different. Rap is what today is. Hip-hop is a real art. So, like, people like Joyner Lucas is a hip-hop artist. MC, Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole. Drake is rap. Commercially successful rap. That's what that is. So, with these rappers, they've kind of adopted a more of a party all across the board. A more of a party um, message and a more of a party vibe like a lot of these beats you you would more than likely hear in a club and it's also different because like there's a lot of hip-hop back in the day you would hear you would also hear in a club you would hear tupac you would hear biggie you would hear uh you would hear tribe called quest you would hear all different songs mostly hip-hop and house music and dance related and stuff like that but it was just a different time and when hip-hop really meant something when hip-hop was really uh a way to you know, it's the same thing with all music, but it's, it was really a way to like express yourself. And I, I, I don't mean the, you know, I'll quote NWA there, of course. Um, but to express yourself, tell your story. That's why people like Immortal Technique and Tech Nine and Melly Mel and Big Daddy Kane are such phenomenal MCs because they're wordsmiths. They rhyme. They actually tell stories and paint word and paint pictures with their words, which in itself is, in and itself is an amazing craft. Today's rap artists are financial driven, financially driven, that's it. Not saying those other guys weren't financially driven as well because they came from just as bad um, uh, you know, situations in housing and how, how, whatever, whatever, the, whatever the situation was, a lot of, these, a lot of those uh, artists went through very similar situations. And I'm never going to discount or discredit anybody else's uh, upbringing because everybody, every, all people are different people. And I'm kind of going off, but I want to circle back to Travis Scott. Travis Scott's one of the few people in modern rap music I can tolerate. At, at, at first, I couldn't, I couldn't stand it. But then, like, when I listen to him, and I think I, I owe a lot to Joyner Lucas for getting me into newer hip-hop, but I'll, I'll get to that in a second. And I'll move to that soon because my big thing is I want to just get this out of the way. Where Travis Scott really had an obligation, and I think as an artist, has an obligation to the audience and the crowd at large to ultimately look out for their safety. Now, a lot of people would say, why? That's not his job. He's a performer. He's an entertainer. Sure, I get that side of the argument. But there's also very few times where a situation occurs that is just as traumatic and just as um, really uh, altering. There's a word I can't think of at the moment, but it's, it's going to be like 
it's 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 career altering for Travis Scott, and it's going to be like career altering for a lot of these festivals. The rules are going to have to change. That's just the way it goes. Rules changed at Warped Tour. Rules changed at Bamboozle. Rules changed at EDC. When people were like, whenever drugs and death and all that shit is involved, something has to drastically change. That can't happen again. It's unacceptable. Because then people are feel unsafe to go to that, to go to your festival. Festivals already are kind of sketchy to begin with. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. But like, when was the last time you heard of like some serious shit happen at like Bonnaroo? I can't think of one. And if and, and maybe I'm just missing it. But like, I genuinely can't think of like a massive thing that happened to Bonnaroo. I really can't. Something as bad as this. I can't think of something that happened so piss poor bad that happened at a bamboozle. At a Vans Warp Tour. To be fair, we didn't find out about the bad shit at Vans Warp Tour years after it actually happened. It's disgusting. Ultimately. I think you have to hold Travis Scott and his production crew and everybody involved on the professional side of things accountable for what happened. Because they're ultimately in control. You could say they're not the cops. You could say they're not politicians, that they have no control. In a situation like that, you've never been the center of attention, so therefore, how would you know what, what is right and what is wrong? Like, like, how exactly that should play out at the same time? What should you do? The moral compass in everybody should ultimately, ultimately lean towards good, the light side. It's just good intentions. And this is just a massive, massive tragedy. And it pains me because as, as, as someone who thrives at live music events, it pains me to hear something like this happen. Travis Scott should be held culpable in some way, shape, or form. Now, I'm not saying there should be um, uh, criminal charges filed. I'm not saying any of these things. What I am saying is that he needs to, he needs to like what I would do. And again, and I'm not trying to paint nobody with a broad brush and try to tell you who somebody is because I, I don't know Travis personally. Very, you know. Uh, so, like, who am I to make an assessment? But I, I just, what I would do if I were Travis Scott and this happened, first thing I'm doing is I'm reaching out to the families directly, whether they want to hear it from me or whether they don't. I'm reaching out to the families directly. I'm not calling. I'm not texting. I'm not FaceTiming. I'm getting information, and I'm going to them directly. That's just who I am. And people, you know, and it's easy for me to sit here and say I'm going to be the righteous one and do everything the right way and, even if it wasn't me, right? Even if it wasn't me, even if even if I did something not nearly as bad as this, and I don't even think Travis Scott really did anything all that bad. I just think that he really did not help the situation when he clearly could have calmed the crowd down. He definitely, at minimum, should feel. I don't know. Again, if he's morally a good person, which I would, I just assume everybody is until you give me a reason not to that he would go to these families directly and just apologize and say just, you know, just how much, how remorseful he is because it's, again, nine people went to a concert and nine people didn't come, well, a, a couple hundred thousand people went to a concert and nine didn't come home. Some of them kids. Other people were severely injured. Other people are going to have PTSD from this. It's a very significant event. So, ultimately, uh, I believe it to be just a really, really bad tragedy. Um, I don't want to sit here and point fingers, even though I kind of do. But I, it's not 
it's not right to sit here and point fingers. The only finger I will, without a doubt, point at is Astro World itself. They need to really do right, and they need to change their SOP. They need to like so. What what people don't understand about festivals is that festivals are these massive gatherings of people. That's that's it in brass tacks. But ultimately, at these festivals, it's a free for all, and part of the fun of a festival is just surviving the festival. As bad as that sounds, it's it's the truth. People go to have fun. That's the primary focus. But you're also there. You got to realize that, like, you know, like these water lines are in, are 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 insane. This food line is insane. You have to like really plan your day out because people will get it. People get sick with heat stroke. This happens all the time. And I've gone to festivals that are ten times more brutal than an Astro World ever would be. Half of those kids couldn't could not could not handle a hate breed mosh pit, an acacia strain mosh pit after the burial. August burns red. They, they, they couldn't handle that kind of music. So when shit like that is happening, I, I, I find it really, really sh shitty that these rappers really, really try to promote walls of death and mosh pits and stuff like that and people doing this crazy shit when really it's not meant for crowds that size. Especially people that ha that have zero mosh pit etiquette, and it sounds silly to even say it like that and sound like I'm a gatekeeper and an elitist, but it's the truth. If you don't have mosh pit etiquette, you don't know what you're doing. Then there's zero there's zero reason for you to be in a mosh pit. You always pick somebody up. You always do right by them. You never swing. You never in there maliciously. And if you are in there maliciously, you'll get found out. You'll get dealt with accordingly. And I, and it's not like anything violent. Sure, you might catch a couple bows to the head. You might catch a couple slaps. You might get you might get kicked in the shin a little bit. That comes with the territory. But no full well, that's what you're getting into. And that nobody there, for the most part, is there to really ruin your day. As far as I can tell, and most of these festivals that I've been to that mosh pits have taken place, nine times out of ten, everybody's there to have a good time. People will beat the shit out of each other. I've seen it happen. Beat the shit out of each other. I've also taken part. Beat the shit out of each other. And when the band is done, everybody's high-fiving and hugging. The same people that were hit in the face or slapped in the face or kicked or punched or anything like that, was we were hugging and fucking high-fiving after the show. That was awesome. Where are you going next? Oh, you're going to see my children or my child, my bride? Cool. I'm going to go see Under Oath. Maybe we'll meet up at a day to remember later. That's another thing. But promoting mosh pits and promoting walls of death and these really, really big big high volume capacity festivals is very dangerous and exactly what ha what happened is exactly is a fear of mine that would happen at like a at like a warp tour thankfully the people that go to like those kind of festivals um have real experience with dealing with Mosh pits, mosh pit etiquette, what exactly you should should or should not be doing if you have no business near a mosh pit and one opens by you, you better either step back or you stick your goddamn hand out. And like I said, if you go in there with any malicious intent, you get found out with and you get dealt with immediately. I've seen it happen. I've been the enforcer sometimes. Believe me, I've seen it. But when you have a massive crowd like this doing a massive mosh pit, it's only a matter of time people get trampled. And it's also, I, I don't want to blame anybody in the crowd because that uh, obviously there's nothing you could do about that. And it's sad because you are helpless. You're in a sea of people and you're crammed in like a fucking sardine. There's nothing you can do. And I also 
recognize that uh, just me as a human being am a naturally bigger person, so I can impose my will a little more if, I, if I'm ever stuck. Right. If I was ever stuck or like backed into a corner for whatever reason, or if I'm stuck in a way of like a sea of people, nine times out of ten, also because I have a good amount of experience getting myself out of sticky situations like that, I can really muscle my way out of there if I really had to. Not everyone has that luxury. So I understand. But it also takes the people to really, you know make an effort to pick people up and get people the fuck out of there. But with the amount of people that were at World, it's nearly impossible. I think the paramedics did the best job that they possibly could do with what they were given. Um, as far as the uh, paramedics that were there and the ambulances that were there and all the medical staff that was on site and on the ground, it's really, really hard because when you're hearing these reports of like there literally being not enough paramedics for these, this, this amount of people... Again, that's on Astro World. That's on Astro World. That's on the logistics team. That's on the board of trustees, whatever that runs that fucking thing. But it, it, it's there's a amount of culpability there for Travis Scott, for his production team, for the people that wouldn't stop the show when the uh, when some of the patrons got on stage when yelling "Stop the show! Stop the show!" and Travis wouldn't stop the show, or maybe the message wasn't relayed. It's the truth. It's it's a sad situation, but. Everybody needs to take a step back and realize that we're people. We make mistakes. Unfortunately, this mistake resulted in the death of nine people. It's sad. And we have to recognize that mistakes were made. But we also have to learn from these mistakes. That's ultimately the message of the eighth one. It's been a while. We have to recognize our mistakes. And we have to recognize that, you know, you make your bed, you lie in it. It's the truth. Whether you're Kyle Rittenhouse, whether you're fucking Henry Ruggs III. You make your bed, you fucking lie in it. You did it to yourself. And I'm no way saying that about the people at Astro World. But, like, I don't, I'm, I would never say that because they chose to go to a concert to have a good time and a terrible thing occurred that nobody is planning for. But, like, with someone like a Rittenhouse, like Henry Ruggs, like, yo, you reap what you sow. You brought it on yourself. I don't feel bad for you. Ultimately, again, every single one of those instances, Astroworld, the Rittenhouse stuff, Henry Ruggs, all of it, every single, all three of those, the end result of all three of them ended in the loss of life, which is not okay. It's not okay, and we need to, we need to figure out better ways of handling high-pressure situations. So, it's sad. There's no other way to really, I guess, paint it. There's no way to paint it in a better light. But just, everyone has to try to learn. Listen, you use, as, as, as traumatic and as dismal and as morbid as a situation could possibly be, and if you end up coming out the other side, you need to find a way to learn from that situation, find a way. Because it's the only way you're gonna be able to learn and grow and get, and get to where you wanna go. It's the only way it's gonna happen. Figure out what went wrong, figure out how you could possibly correct the situation, if possible, and then do damage control. Because that's, you, you owe it to these people to do the right thing. You owe it 
to everybody to do the right thing. You owe it to yourself to do the right thing. Because you might have not have committed uh, a heinous act. You might not have done something that is so awful. But even if like you offended a friend, even if you like you did something that maybe a friend of yours wouldn't really be too fond of. Maybe you maybe you said a white lie. Maybe maybe you stole $50 out of your mother's purse. Whatever it is, you know, come clean, figure it out and learn from from learn from a mistake. That's ultimately my message. You're going to learn from a mistake. And uh, I wish I had a better message. Well, I wish I had something better than that because, like, I just feel like that there's a little more I could be saying, but I, I, I really don't know. I'm just trying to get back into the swing of things. It's been a little bit since I've recorded a podcast. I believe the last one was October 24th. It is now uh, almost 30 days later. It is November 14th. Um, yeah, so ultimately uh, we have control over what we can control. We will figure it out what we will figure out, and ultimately it's our decision to get better. It's our decision to learn. It's our decision to grow. So take something and learn from it because if you don't learn from it, it's entirely on you, and it's a wasted experience. No matter how bad or how morbid or how traumatic the experience is, find a way to learn from it. It's the only way we move forward. It's the only way the needle continues to move in the positive direction. It's the only way... The, the conversation continues to happen in a positive light. Everybody have a phenomenal weekend. I want you all to have just a really, really, really great week. Kill it. Do all the right things. Eat the right foods. Work out as much as you can. Maybe run a mile. Maybe run two miles. Maybe read that book you've been wanting to read for a long time. Maybe watch that movie you wanted to for a long time. Treat yourself. And, if, and by treat yourself, I mean, you know, don't eat 15 ice cream sandwiches. Have like one. But also treat yourself, go to the gym, go outside, walk around. Yeah, it's, especially if you're in the Northeast, the Midwest or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's a little cold out right now, but it's okay. Put a fucking jacket on. Go out and run. Do some shit. And if you say you don't have time, it's because you consciously choose that. You, you, you are consciously choosing to not have enough time. That's literally the long and short of it. All right. Everyone have a phenomenal week. Um, everyone's going to have a great week, and I really hope everyone does amazing things this week. I will be back as soon as I can with another episode. Um, I am currently writing notes, and I'm coming up with things that I would like to add on. Uh, in the When the winter time is around, it's going to be a little bit harder, um, obviously with my work schedule being as hectic as it is, so that, that will be interesting uh, just to figure that out. Ultimately, we'll get there, and then springtime... Um, I'm going to be working on another project with, I believe I mentioned it earlier uh, in earlier episodes, but I'm going to be working on another project with another very close friend of mine. I believe that podcast is going to launch us into the fucking stratosphere. So I'm very excited to come up with that. Um, and then we're just going to continue. I'm going to continue to, you know, put this, put these out and just kind of have these as audio diaries because that's kind of something I'm really, really interested in and I like sharing my experiences. I like talking, if you haven't figured that out, and I, I like to, you know, get my feelings out there as best I can. So, again, phenomenal week. Y'all are amazing. Peace.